It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. This is Wall Street Week. I'm David Weston. The COVID-19 pandemic has triggered some big changes in investment patterns and supply chains around the world. To take us through what his industrial company is doing, we welcome now the CEO of Honeywell, his Vimal Kapoor. So Vimal, thank you so much for being with us. Great to have you here. Thanks for having me, David, and it's a pleasure to be here. A lot of talk about supply chains. Give us a sense from Honeywell's perspective, what has changed, if anything, since the pandemic? Everything, I would say. <laughs> I mean, the it's been a biggest disruption in our business for the last two years. It started with the disruption in electronics, which we all well aware, and you don't get chips, you don't get parts, and that was really, I would say, about two years back. That's mostly healed for most part. What's still left behind for us, uh, aerospace is the largest segment for Honeywell, uh, and then they, there the healing is yet to happen completely. We are in a midway, and the constraint there is tier three, tier four suppliers. They uh, moved on with a lot of people during COVID, and when the capacity came back, rebuilding the capacity of the people has been a big challenge because these are certified skills, uh, not too easy to hire people, and that's the state we are in. So uh, electronics mostly healed on the mechanical side, products in aerospace more in the midway, but we're making progress every week, every month, and continue to produce more. Other thing I must bring in if it changed is uh, how we think about insourcing versus outsourcing. Mm. That was, uh, I would say, uh, we generally practice the strategy of local for local, so produce for North America and North America, Europe for Europe and Asia for Asia. So for us, there was not a not lot of moves, but uh, when should you outsource and when you should not outsource? Because one thing we learned was that when we control the supply chain, we healed quickly. And when it was outsourced more, we healed slower. And that kind of also raising the question on how should we reconfigure on the things we do outsource, specifically in the electronic side, and should that not be done by us to drive more control and more execution? So well, what about uh, geography? Uh, there's been a lot of talk with other companies mm -hmm. about uh, friend sourcing yes. and onshoring, things like that. Uh, has that been a shift for you? Is most of your supply chain within the United States? Have you, have you taken it to other countries that we call them so-called so friend shoring? So we uh, always had a strategy of local for local and our North America supply chain always supported in US and, and Mexico. Uh, and Europe was in Europe and Asia was primarily China. So for us, uh, what's changed is certainly uh, Mexico has become more important. Uh, we always had a great presence there. So probably we are doing some insourcing type of work in Mexico, considering that to do moving forward. Uh, but we see a lot of our customers Moving into uh, French shoring, we see activity in ASEAN countries like in Vietnam, Malaysia. We see a lot of activity in Poland. We see activity in Turkey. Uh, Mexico is probably top of the charts there. 
So clearly, people are making decisions to redo their businesses to align more with, with the French shoring. Uh, Honeywell is a global company, uh, and I know you're looking to grow in places where the growth is most robust. Mm -hmm. uh, right now, we have a lot of geopolitical conflict all around the world. Mm -hmm. Some people think it's more than we've seen in a good long time, mm -hmm. whether that's in Europe or in Asia. Mm -hmm. How does it affect your business, if it affects your business at all? It does. I mean, uh, the geopolitical situation being normal certainly is a tailwind for us, and opposite is true of being a headwind. So we have to make careful choices on how should we think about the geography. So where we stand today, uh, our business is very global. Our U.S. revenue is about 50%, and non-U.S. revenue between Europe and the rest of the world is another 50%. And it's a, it's a careful balance uh, to drive execution. I mean, case in point is we lost all our revenue in Russia for the right reasons. We are not going to support that cause, uh, but we have to shut down our operation after Ukraine war. Uh, and we lost our revenue of nearly half a billion dollars uh, in that. So it's, it's painful, but it's a reality of the today's world. But uh, there are opportunities uh, which are coming in. Uh, we see growth in other parts of uh, Asia, which are offsetting some of the lost growth there. And it's a constant balance we have to do all the time. Just what I was going to ask, where do you see the greatest opportunity for growth at this point? Uh, from our business of the segment, I can answer the question related to the segment Honeywell serves. Uh, so definitely we see a great growth opportunity for us in India and in Middle East. The reason is what those regions or countries want to do as a great fit with our portfolio. Uh, India wants to be big in airlines. That's a big business for us. They're building a lot of infrastructures. We have automation businesses in industrial and buildings, so that's a big opportunity for us. Uh, and those countries need a lot of energy, so we have an energy transition business. So portfolio fit to the country's strategic objective is stronger fit, which just makes us well positioned for growth in, uh, in those regions. You have said more than once, you're pursuing not one, not two, but three megatrends, as you call them, for growth. One being automation, then aviation and energy. Your acquisition from Carrier falls clearly in the automotion category. Give us a sense, from your point of view, why this particular deal made sense for Honeywell. Thanks, David. Uh, look, the, uh, as you laid out, uh, Honeywell uh, is really centered around three, three mega trends, automation, aviation, and energy transition. Automation is the biggest segment, and this deal really uh, compounds the growth of our building automation business. We have a $6 billion business in building automation. We lead with critical products which are acquired in the building. Uh, we are leaders in two of the product lines in uh, building management systems and fire systems. We, we have a business in security controls, access control, but we have a moderate position. So this deal further strengthens our capability in security, which I believe is a high growth category. So it fits right in the heart of our building automation business and uh, prepares it for higher growth rate in the future. Does it substantially advance Honeywell's position within that category? I won't call it a market. I'm not sure it is a market, but in the category. What does it do in terms yes. of your position vis-a-vis -vis your competitors? I mean, uh, you know, it's a, it's a very competitive market. Uh, you know, th this question I can answer two ways. In, in building automation, it it improves our position from a portfolio standpoint because we continue to improve the quality of our portfolio. Uh, and this addition 
makes us more distinctive portfolio compared to our peers. The competition set doesn't really change because we compete with certain set of peers today. Some of them are you know, publicly listed company like Allegion, JCI, some of them are privately held companies. So there's no much change in the competition profile, but from a Honeywell perspective, quality of our portfolio gets better and we have more content of the product to sell uh, to our customers. What about from the, from the financial point of view? Uh, how did you determine what the right price was for Honeywell to pay? And by the way, address the dilutive versus accretive, because uh, Honeywell said it is going to be accretive from the first year, and then some analysts are saying, no, actually, it's dilutive. Uh, I don't know what analysts are saying. I didn't have a chance to look at it. I mean, from our perspective, our metric is that a deal has to be accretive within one year of close, and it is absolutely accretive. I can confirm you that. The deal for us uh, works very well because we this property is a higher growth rate to uh, compare to our core business, which is demonstrated. Uh, it brings much higher gross margin, so it uh, further improves the business mix for us. So it, it really hits all the metrics, and not only it's strong fit in the strategy, it hits all our uh, financial goals, which is accretion in the year one for EPS uh, after the close, uh, getting us uh, IRR of greater than 10%, and cash returns of 10% after year five. So we hit all the metrics. We don't do deals which are not with, uh, you know, meet our financial goals, and that's a strong principle which we always practice. Uh, so I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but what comes next? I mean, you've said in the past you're interested in bolt-on acquisitions. This looks like a significant yes. bolt-on acquisition. Should we expect more? And if so, is it more likely to come in automation or aviation or energy? Our pipeline, David, is across all the three segments. I mean, one of the points I've been stating consistently is that portfolio revitalization, keeping it contemporary, is part of my goal. That requires us to have an active pipeline, and our pipeline is active in all the three spaces. It's active in energy transition, in automation, and in, the, and in aviation. Uh, of course, every deal have its own life. It had its own competitiveness, but our activity is across all three. And uh, I would say that if the deal meets the strategy and it meets the financial goals, we will do the deals. Uh, so this is a good indication of how Honeywell would, would, would behave in, in, in the times ahead. I don't want to sound that we're going to be a very acquisitive company, but acquisitions are going to be an important part of how we want to grow. And that right balance is what we're trying to drive in Honeywell. How do you assess the growth potential here? Because you have said you want to be in growth areas. Those three megatrends are growth areas. Mm -hmm. But how do you assess the growth specifically with respect to security? So security, uh, the way to think about it is that when you and me grew up, uh, the security was thought about managing people and keeping them secure. So we all were given badges and we bashed ourselves in and out of offices. So a lot of us have a view of security equals to people security, which, which hasn't changed. But what has got added here is that now asset security has become more pivotal, more critical. Uh, that's where these businesses are moving to. So think about an asset like data center, an electronics manufacturing fab, a pharmaceutical plant. They need sophisticated access controls to protect their intellectual property, to manage their operations. And that's where this business has a higher growth rate because those segments are not only growing higher than GDP rates, but at the same time, the requirement of security is becoming more critical. Add to that the fact convergence of cybersecurity with the physical security. More and more customers are looking at common system at enterprise security level, and that uh, factor will also play out in the times to come. So when we put it all together, 
uh, we believe that it's uh, going to be mid-single digit to high-single digit growth segment. That's without sales synergies Honeywell will bring in. We, we, do, we do believe we have capabilities which are incremental, and we're going to add to that, to this portfolio. But we'll have to do that work. You know, as uh, we complete the customary processes of approvals, we'll be more prepared to think about sales synergies, which, which we are very confident of to bring to this portfolio. Uh, Vimal, you are pursuing these three megatrends. Uh, at the same time, you are emphatic, you are not a conglomerate. So what is the common denominator? What draws these three lines together for Honeywell? So our operating system is really, uh, you know, which binds us together. Operating system is not only processes, but it also the digital backbone on these processes are built. Uh, think about these processes for supply chain operations, for commercial operations, for customer experience. Uh, and that's a common backbone on how we run Honeywell. All the businesses are run consistently uh, using the same tools, using the same framework, using the same set of KPIs, and our businesses are enabled on that. So that's one common uh, element of operating system. The second is what I call enabling organization. Honeywell brings to it businesses, enabling organization by which businesses can grow more. Vimal, thank you so much for joining us on this very busy week for you and for Honeywell. That is Vimal Kapoor. He is the Honeywell CEO. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.